sure that those get delivered this week uh, if you can. So uh, I want to I want to give Sarah a moment or, or Lynetta a moment to um, set up this video. It's kind of a video parable for you this morning. It, uh, my sister-in-law tagged me in this video because we've got this long-standing joke about the pain of walking through dark children's rooms uh, when Legos are laying on the floor and, and how painful that is. And so she tags me in these videos all the time uh, so that I can see. So uh, think about this as a video parable of what it's like to walk in the dark and just let your mind go. We're going to watch about a minute of it or so. Maybe you guys have seen uh, one of these before. All right, go. These guys are walking blindfolded, by the way. Cross across this and get three forks from this table, one at a time. And the winner wins, and the loser loses. (laughs) (laughs) And now begin. Ready? Set. Set. Go! Let the games begin. Sorry if that was painful to watch, but many of us know it's painful to walk in the dark. You know, a lot of us have had experiences where we've turned off that last light in the in the downstairs before we walk, and for some reason, the way they laid it out, you have to turn off a light and then walk, navigate through like the rest of the furniture. So we've stubbed our toes on coffee tables. If you're really lucky, you've been able to put a child to bed and then walk out of a room that they haven't cleaned. Uh, And so there's Legos and razor blades on the floor. You know, like like that's what it feels like walking across a, a dark room. And, uh, and of course, we know that sometimes it's not just physically walking through the dark. Sometimes life can feel like this as well, can it? Where sometimes things can just jump out of nowhere, it seems like, and wound us. Um, as, a, as a pastor, I, I hear stories on a pretty regular basis of these kinds of life experiences happening to us. Uh, something that we weren't expecting that just came out of nowhere, it seemed like, came out of the darkness and woundedness. Maybe for some of us, it's more like a season that you walk through. And there's just a darkness that you go through. And, and darkness is a lot of times a metaphor for the, for the sadness that you experience when you've got the pain of a loss or when you're carrying the burden of despair or sadness or depression. These seasons that we go through that feel like valleys of the shadow of death, the way that the the psalmist talks about it in Psalm 23. Life can be like this at times. Part of why Advent is so meaningful, this season where we we wait to celebrate Christmas, where the early church uh, early on had had kind of set aside this time, this this, uh, four Sundays before the celebration of Christmas as a time of preparation for, for baptismal candidates when they would repent and they would confess their sins and they'd remember what life was like before Christ. 
This time where you connect with the experience of the people of God in exile in Babylon and in Assyria, waiting for a Savior, waiting for the light of God to come and to dawn upon the people. All of those years, all of those generations waiting for the Messiah. Advent is the time for the church to remember what it's like to walk in the darkness. Uh, It's a time when... Advent, in many ways, is so meaningful because it takes the darkness seriously. It allows us to not make light of it, to recognize that the darkness at times in our lives is real. And it's a season where we sit in it and we wait in it for a little while and we recognize our need in this time and in this season. We recognize our need for a Savior to come into the darkness. Advent, in a lot of ways, is in contrast with the Christmas season that we, that we find so often in, in kind of the commercial world that we live in. Uh, right after Halloween, maybe even before Halloween, we see all of the displays and the lights and everything begin to change and the Christmas music come on in all the stores. And the, the commercial Christmas season is very much a season of joy and of brightness and of light. And we'll get there as the church too, right? We, we, we don't give anything away as far as celebrating the light to to the commercial world. We've got some celebrating to do, but that season starts real early in the commercial world, and it's very much about joy and brightness and light and, and celebration. And maybe you find yourself during this Christmas season walking through a, a season of darkness and saying, I, I, I realize that there are things to celebrate and there are things that I want to celebrate, but I want something that takes the darkness for, for real too, something that takes it seriously. And what I want to say to you this morning, especially if, if this is a season where you're like, man, I just need to sit in it for a minute. I need, need to weep in it for a minute. There seems to be some darkness that, that needs to be taken seriously for a minute. There is a place for you in this time in the church. It's okay to walk through the dark for a little while. It's okay if you need, for whatever reason in your life, to just sit in the darkness. If you need to weep, if you need to tear some sackcloth and sit in some ashes, if you need to cry out, everything is not okay with the world right now. The church during Advent says this is your place. This is the place where we we gather together and we say, there is a darkness and it's not all light and everything is not okay, but... At the same time that we do this during Advent, we come into the darkness, we sit down, we wait, we cry, we weep, we mourn, we confess our sins, we call out that everything is not right with the world, we need a Savior, something needs to change. At this same time, we do these little acts of protest in the darkness. We hang lights on our houses. We hang lights on our trees. Ashley goes out because I'm too lazy, and she, she goes out and she wraps around the, the lights around our thorny holly bush. And, she, and, and I drive up and I see that in the middle of this dark cul-de-sac that we live on, we pull up and there's this house that has been lovingly stranded with lights, almost as an act of protest against the darkness. That the darkness is not all there is. This is why we light these candles. 
in this season of Advent, this season where we recognize our need for a Savior, we recognize uh, the reality of darkness, we light these candles almost as like this, this act of rebellion against the dark. That the darkness, though it is real and though it is dark, it's not all that there is. And it's not ultimately going to last forever. And we also read scriptures and we sing songs and we read scriptures uh, during Advent with the rest of the church around the world, like John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. The light shines. Have you ever noticed this about darkness? That it doesn't matter how much of a pitch black nature the darkness is. It only takes just a little spark, just a little match, just a little candle brought into a pitch black room, just the crack of a door into the lighted hallway makes all the difference in the world. Just that little bit of light transforms even the darkest darkness into something else. The darkness cannot overcome the light. The light, even if it's just the tiniest little flicker, overcomes the darkness. Isn't that beautiful? So just that little bit, just that little flame, just that little flicker, is, is the darkness is no match for even the weakest of light. The darkness is no match for the light. And John, by the way, when he's writing his gospel here, he's not just talking about a little flicker. He's not talking about a weak flame. He's talking about the light of the world here. So the darkness, whatever darkness it is that you and I may be walking through, whatever season it is, whatever has jumped out at you, that you need to really acknowledge it and be real about it and recognize that it's real, it cannot overcome the light that Christ brings into the world. John, uh, he's writing to remind us of Genesis chapter 1. A lot of his gospel here in John chapter 1, he uses the language to remind his readers to go back to Genesis 1 to recognize that the word that comes in and is made flesh is the same word that is with God and was God in the beginning, at the very beginning of all things. Listen to some of the, the parallels here from Genesis at the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, let's just hang here for a minute. A couple real powerful theological truths that are real foundational for us as Christians. The first is that God created everything. 
nothing that is, nothing that has its existence, has its existence apart from the creative activity of God. It's not like God shows up on a scene that's already going and, and God decides to like do something with it. Everything that is from the very fundamental elements, like God was before the Big Bang or however you want to talk about the creation of the world, everything that is has its existence by the creation of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we think about the heavens and the earth and we think of what we see, but, but in the beginning, when God first created everything, it was chaotic. It was formless and void. It was empty. It was dark. The very beginning was dark and, and the Spirit of God, it says, hovered over the surface of the waters there. And everything was dark and chaotic and formless and void until the word was spoken. Until the word was spoken. And the word went like this, the next slide. And God said, let there be light. And there was. And there was light. Let there be light. These are the words that are spoken over the formless, chaotic void of the created elemental uh, kind of primordial waters or whatever that God had created. That are, it's, Genesis even has trouble describing. But God says, let there be light. And from that first word, there's light and everything begins to take shape in this moment. Now, it's really interesting to go back and read theologians and biblical scholars and ancient Jewish rabbis talk about what Genesis, what the writer of Genesis is talking about here when, when he talks about God saying, let there be light, because there wasn't any sun yet. There weren't any stars. There was nothing that we would understand in the galaxy, in the created order, that would actually give light that we know as, a, as light. So, so he, all of these theologians and ancient rabbis would say that, that the writer of Genesis is trying to get at that when God says, let there be light, there's something more than the physical light that we see going on in creation. That light is also meant to carry along with it everything that light does in a dark world. That it, it, it creates an opportunity to see, to give guidance, to not stub your toe and step on Legos, to bring order to things that otherwise, when you're walking through a, a room, especially if you're walking through maybe somebody else's house after the lights have been turned out, it's chaos and it's darkness and I, know, I don't know what's going on. But when the light comes on, now all of a sudden we get our bearings in this place where we are. Some of these ancient rabbis would say that the word of God brings light. And the word, the light brings order along with it. So the light that, is sh that shines into the world brings order out of chaos. It brings beauty. It brings goodness. It creates the opportunity for us to be able to see and understand truth, to be able to experience the deepest of realities like love. Light, the, the presence of light brings in all of these things. So some of these ancient Jewish rabbis would even connect let there be light with like Every other time that God speaks an order-forming, chaos-negating, light-bringing word into his world, one of the pinnacles of those was the law. They saw the law 
of Moses as this light that had shined onto the people that helped them get their bearings in the world, that helped them understand how to relate with one another as human beings, how to relate with one another and, and how to relate with God, how to relate with creation, that the light of God's word shines on his people and creates an opportunity for the people to experience life the way that God dreamed that it would be, the way that God spoke it into existence. Light brings order to chaos, organization for human flourishing, generative energy helps us get our bearings in the world, helps us recognize the potential of what it's like maybe to step on stray Legos or to step on mousetraps. For John, when he's writing in, in his gospel, this word, word, now hang with me for a minute, becomes even more profound because John is here writing in the Greek language, is the original language there in the New Testament. And the Greek word, hang with me, for word is the Greek word logos. And so when John writes, in the beginning was the word, he's writing in Greek, in the beginning was the logos. The logos, which is the word that we get our word for logic. So in the, Greek, uh, in the Greek language, when they would say the word logos, it meant word, spoken word, written word, but it also had this other thing that philosophers would use, Aristotle, Plato, all these people would use about uh, logos also carried along with it the fundamental logic underlying all of creation. Are you with me here? So when the word is spoken, it brings the logic and the order to all of the chaotic darkness that exists. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's talking about the word that's with God, that was God in the beginning. He's talking about the spoken word, let there be light. He's talking about this light that shines, talking about this word that gives order and, and light to all of creation. Now, let's read this again. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus was and is and forever will be that word. That word. Now, I want to recognize one other, a couple other things about this passage in John, these few verses. There's this phrase, the light shines in the darkness. Some translations even say the light shines forth in the darkness that there's a quality to this light, that it doesn't just overcome the darkness, it doesn't just like hang out in the heavenly realms where everything is light, that the light is an aggressive kind of light. Did you notice this? That the light doesn't just hang out where other light is, but the light shines into the darkness. It shines forth into the darkness. It's like it's going out to find the dark places to speak, let there be light in the darkest of areas, in the darkest of seasons, in the darkest of worlds. It's an aggressive light that drives out the darkness, not only in creation, but in our lives as well. 
here in this Advent season, if you need a place to sit in the darkness and weep and mourn and cry out that everything's not right, do that here in the church. But in the church, also recognize that the darkness that you might be sitting in is no match for the strength of the aggressive light of God that shines forth into all the darkness, even your own. God's light is too strong for your darkness to last forever. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Guys, in so many ways, this is the testimony of the whole scripture. I love how the psalmist puts it. The psalmist in Psalm 139 is trying to find a place for whatever reason to hide from God, right? Like if I go into these different areas, I find that you are there already. And at one point he thinks maybe if I go into the darkness and he says, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Now, why is that? How how come God can walk into an area where we're hiding maybe in the darkness, and, and now all of a sudden it's not dark anymore to God? It's because God brings the light with him. Think about this. God can't walk into a dark area and have it not become blessed with his light he radiates it the light comes along with the god who is light and i love how it gets real personal we could go all sorts of different places in the scripture but i love how it gets real personal when paul's writing to the corinthians and in the second letter that he writes to them he says in uh in chapter four verse six for god who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now think with me for a minute here. Is this a great Christmas line if there ever was one? Think about the scene that we're going to be celebrating in about a week. And in the darkness of night, Mary and Joseph shepherds and animals and angels gather around in this dark barn and they look into the face of Jesus. Can we put up this next painting? Think about this scene for just a moment. God, who said, let there be light. Let his light shine in our hearts so that we might be able to see the glory of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. If you have ever been in a season of darkness, if you are in one now, the brightest place you will ever look is into the face of the baby that's born into the manger. Into the face of Jesus, the eternal word, the light of all creation who gives light to every person who overcomes the darkness in whom if you believe in him, you will not stay in the darkness. The light shines forth from that face.
In fact, you might even be able to say that on that night that Jesus was born, it was like God speaking the words all over again, let there be light. And yet, God wasn't speaking over this primordial soup of darkness and chaos and formlessness and void and, and deep, dark, pitch blackness, a, a, a creation created elements that were absent of light until the word was spoken. God wasn't speaking over that kind of darkness on the first Christmas night. God was speaking over the darkness that our sin had created, the shadow that human sinfulness had cast over the world. And God in Christ, guys, is speaking once again over that kind of darkness. In Christ, let there be light. The Word is the same. It's the Word made flesh, and yet the words are the same as well. They shine forth from His face into a deep, dark world. In Christ, God is saying all over again, let light shine and let the darkness not overcome it. May it be so with us. Would you pray with me today? Gracious God, we come during this season where we acknowledge the reality of the darkness of our own sin, of our own need for repentance, of our own need for a Savior to come, of our own darkness, of the darkness of the world, of the chaos in creation that we see so often that seems like it will win the day. And yet, God, we, we cry out to you that you would speak over and over again through Christ let there be light, that you'd speak it into creation, that you'd speak it into our neighborhood here, that you'd speak it over our city, that you'd speak it over our families, that you'd speak it into the dark areas of our hearts, that light would shine into the darkness and that the darkness would not overcome it. God, we search for light. Part of the beauty of Advent is that it creates a yearning in us, it creates a longing, it creates a seeking because we don't want to stay in the darkness. And so, God, this morning we pray that our seeking would lead us to your light and that your light would be the face of Christ. May, us be, may we be reminded of the light that shines forth from his face in the manger into a deep, dark world and even into our own lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen.